Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. We have uh, still been celebrating Easter. We have been talking about Jesus, uh, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. And then we talked about um, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And we talked about death um, and that kind of stuff for the past two or three weeks. So we're going to take a break from death today and talk about something else. Uh, But next week, we're going to still talk about death one more time. But we're not talking about earthly death. We're talking about eternal life in heaven. Um, So if you have any questions about heaven or if you don't know much about heaven and you would like to know more about heaven, be here next week because we're going to look at what Jesus says about heaven and what the word says about heaven, um, what goes on in heaven, what happens in heaven, what heaven looks like, what heaven feels like, what it will be like when we get there and all that kind of stuff right here next Sunday. Cool? Cool. Y'all don't want to know about heaven? <laughs> I had somebody tell me one time that they don't care what heaven's like, they just want to go. And I agree. Like, I'm in. Like, sign me up. I'm all for it. But I want to know. Like, as much as I can know. I want to know what's happening. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what it's going to be like. I want to know if I, what I need to dress for, if I need to dress warm, if I need to dress cold, cool. Um, I want to know what I need to bring with me, all that kind of good stuff. I like to have all those details. I'm not a real detailed person, but I want those details. I just kind of want to know, like, what's going to happen? Like, how's it going to look? What's happening? Who's there? What we're going to be doing? All that kind of good stuff. So, be here next week, and we're going to talk about uh, heaven next Sunday. Cool? Gosh, y'all. Still terrible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, today we're going to be looking at John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at an encounter that Jesus had with a lady at a well. Um, Before we get there, let me share this with you. I've had the... um, I have had the privilege of meeting a lot of different people in my life. And when I say different people, I mean different people. Um, I have got to talk to a snake handler, which is not my thing. Um, anybody like, like snakes? Put that hand down. Uh, y'all, there's nothing worse than a snake. Right? Nothing worse than a snake. I'll take a spider, it's fine. I'll take um, whatever, a leprechaun, it don't matter. Anything, there's nothing worse than a snake. I hate a snake. Anyway, I met a uh, snake handler one time. He's what he did. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet Roy Williams. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet J.R. Reed. Anybody know who J.R. Reed is? Yeah, yeah. A couple of you older people. Yes. He played basketball at Carolina. Jeff, you know J.R. Reed? You love him, though, don't you? Another snake handler? <laughs> uh, Jeff, Jeff went to NC State. Let me just preface by saying Jeff went to NC State. So. Jeff don't know. Jeff don't know right from wrong. So I'm glad you're here today. Thank you. 
uh, I've had the opportunity to meet um, uh, just different people over different times. However, how many of you know there's a difference between meeting somebody and having an encounter with somebody? Right? There's a difference between me saying, hello, how are you, can I get a picture? And there's a difference between that and me meeting somebody and that person changing my life. That's what an encounter is. That's the difference between an encounter and a meeting. We see several encounters in Scripture. A couple come to my mind right off the top of my head of where people encountered Jesus or they encountered God the Father. Uh, one being in Isaiah 6. If you read Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah, he didn't just meet God, but he encountered God. What you read in Isaiah 6, you see that uh, Isaiah remembers when he met God. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he remembers exactly where he was at when he met God. He remembers exactly what was going on around that time when he met God because it was not just a meeting, it was an encounter. Everybody follow? You read Isaiah chapter 6, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I encountered the Lord. It also goes on to say that Isaiah recognized his sin. He told God, I am a sinful man. He said, woe is me, I am a sinful man. And the Bible also says that his sin was atoned for, and because of that encounter, it changed his life, and God used him to share the good news, to share the, the forecoming news, to be a prophet to the people of Israel at that time. When you encounter God, it's not just a meeting, but it's a time that you remember for the rest of your life it's a time that forgiveness is found and it's a time that changes the path it changes the trajectory and changes the future of your life we see it again in uh, Luke chapter 19 with Jesus and Zacchaeus you know the story right Zacchaeus was in the tree you got me Zacchaeus said or Jesus come to Zacchaeus and said I'm coming to your house Zacchaeus says come on the Bible says that Jesus was in Zacchaeus' house. It doesn't tell what Jesus said. doesn't tell what Jesus taught him. All it says is that Zacchaeus stood up in the house and said, I am a sinful person. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell all of my possessions. I'm going to give my money to the poor. The people that I have cheated money out of, not only am I going to give to them, but I'm going to repay them everything that I cheated them. Zacchaeus didn't just meet Jesus. He had an encounter. It changed his life. And Jesus goes on to say at the end of that story that salvation has come to this household today. Uh, Zacchaeus' whole life was changed because of that encounter with Jesus. Do you see the difference? between meeting and encountering. I had an encounter with Jesus, May 28th, year 2000, completely changed everything about my life. I also had an encounter with a lovely, talented, gorgeous young lady in the mid-2000s that changed my life for the better. I have shared with Callie before that I saved her. Let me explain. There's a certain young man that we both know that was after her big time. I saved her. Because <laughs> this young man is not as handsome as me, not as good at basketball as I am, doesn't know half as much about Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and the macho man Randy Savage, as I do. You're welcome. That encounter changed your life. I know you're thankful, and I'm thankful as well. I love you.
We're going to look at an encounter today in Scripture. You don't know, I said this last week, it's amazing, like, I still get paid to do this. Like, people pay me to do this job. Like, how I have not got fired yet is absolutely a blessing from the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, let's read here before I do get fired today. John chapter 4 says this. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining uh, he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized the disciples. Um, it was his disciples. So uh, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So you get the picture here. Jesus left Judea on the way to Galilee. Verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, uh, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Stop. Let me give you some background to this story of where we're at here in those first six verses in John chapter, chapter 4. The word says that Jesus left Judea going to, um, where was he going, y'all? I forgot. Galilee. Jesus went back to once more to Galilee. Jesus left Judea on the way to Galilee. The word says in verse 4 that he had to go through Samaria. If you look at a map, you look at where Galilee is, look at where Judea is, look at where Samaria is, you will see that Jesus did not have to geographically go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, Jews did everything they could not to go through the town of Samaria. Why? Because those people were unclean. For Jews to go through the town, that would make them unclean. They wouldn't talk to a Samaritan. They wouldn't touch a Samaritan. They wouldn't have anything to do with Samaritans because they were unclean people. Most Jews would go around Samaria, would go up a mountainside, go hike up the mountain, come back down, just so they would not have to go through Samaria. But here you see in John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus or John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Thanks for asking. Let me tell you. At this time, when women would go to a well to get water, a couple things would happen. One, they would go in groups. There would be a bunch of them going together. It was their socializing time. It was their talking time. It was their friendship time. It was a time for them to share what was going on in their life. It was a time for them to laugh together. It was a time for them to cry together. It was a time for them to simply talk to other women in the village. They always traveled in packs. When they would go get water, not only would they travel in packs, but they would go early in the morning or late in the evening when it was not so hot. Obviously, they're in the desert, so they would go when the sun was either coming up or going down, so it wouldn't be so hot because when you go get the water, you have to carry the water back to town, and obviously it would be harder. Those of you that do work outside, you know exactly what I'm talking about, carrying the heavy water pails in the summertime heat. Everybody follow? Everybody got me so far? Here, what you're going to find here is there was a lady that went to get water by herself, not in a group of people, not in a group with other women. She went all by herself, and she did not go early in the morning or late in the evening. The Bible says she went at noontime at the hottest point of the day, and she went to the well to get water. That, my friends, is why Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go because he was thirsty. He didn't have to go because that was the only place to find water. He had to go through Samaria so that he could find this lady. 
Because this lady at this moment, she didn't have a clue, she didn't realize at the time, but she had a divine appointment with Jesus Christ on that very day, and she had no clue about it. So why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? To meet this woman. So that he could encounter this woman, so that she could encounter him, and so that he could change her life. Have you ever found yourself having a divine appointment? Maybe somebody came in your life that you didn't even expect, but they came in your life and they changed your life for the better. Maybe you woke up one morning and you thought, hey, I need to read the Word today. So you read and your life changed from that moment on. Maybe you had a faith-based conversation with someone out of the blue, and because of that conversation, because of their encouragement, because of their wisdom, because of their love, because of the conversation they shared with you, it helped set the trajectory of your life, all because of that conversation you had with that person. Maybe one Sunday morning you woke up having no intentions of going to church, but you came to church one random Sunday morning, and God spoke to you, God moved in your life, God spoke to your heart, and because of that one random Sunday morning, you woke up, you got ready, brushed your teeth, put your clothes on, come to church, your life changed because of that divine appointment that happened that day. Can I tell you a secret about divine appointments? They're never by accident. Never. Never. It was not an accident this lady was at the well by herself in the middle of the day. She was there for a reason. She didn't know it, but she was there to meet with the Lord. You're here today, and you may think, I'm here with mom. Or you may think, I'm here just hanging out because it's what we do on Sundays. Or you may think, I didn't want to come, but gosh, I'm here. Or you may think, this is the best place ever in the whole world. Thank you, for one. Two, you're not here by accident. It's not circumstantial that you got up this morning and you chose to come here. God led you here today. You have a divine appointment with Jesus Christ today. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to change your life today. The only thing that stops God moving in your life today is you. Right? God's there. God's available. He's waiting on you. He's not changed. He's the same. He's there for you. And the only thing that stops God moving in your life today is us. So my challenge to you this morning before we really get going in the Word is if God speaks, you follow. If God moves, you follow. Because it's no accident that you're here today on April the on May the 14th, thank you, 2023, at 10.38, 10.39, you're here sitting where you are this morning. You're here for a reason. Amen? Keep reading. Verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, draw with, and the well is very deep. Where can you get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and keep and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now, uh, the man you, gosh, where am I at? And the man you, uh, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Then Jesus kind of drops the hammer on the lady when he says this. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are kind. Uh, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. What an encounter there. I want to share with you three things this morning that Jesus shared with this woman. Three things that changed in this woman's life that we read here um, from this encounter. Number one, Jesus offered her, Jesus shared with her love that she had never experienced before. Jesus told the lady to go find your husband, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right, you've had five. Y'all help me out with this. She was looking for love. Yes, looking for love. Too many faces. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. What? I'm dreaming of... Y'all know what I'm talking about? A couple of you do. My Denton people know. My Denton people definitely know. That's like the anthem of Denton. This lady, Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've had five. And the one that you're now with, he's not your husband. This is a lady who was looking for love. This is a lady who gave love. This is a lady who may have received love for a little while, but for whatever reason, the reason now, she did not have the love that she was looking for on different circumstances. But what she did find is love in Jesus Christ. She didn't realize it at the time, but she was not just talking to someone who would love her. She was not just talking to someone who could provide for her what she needed. She was not just talking to someone who could care for her the way she needed. She was talking to love itself. She was talking to the creator of love. She was talking to the essence of love itself. She was talking to Jesus Christ. My friends, my bet is there are people today that can hear me, you, me, 
where there's been times in our life where we've looked for somebody to love us, but they're not there. Right? You've had people in your life that you needed love from. Maybe it was a husband, maybe it was a wife, maybe it was a mom, maybe it was a dad, maybe it was a son or a daughter or a friend. But my bet is that you've had people in your life that you needed to receive love from, that you deserved to receive love from, but it wasn't there. Maybe they left you, they abandoned you, they forgot about you. Maybe they loved you at one time, but their love stopped. Whatever the reason, we find ourselves in the same position as this lady, wanting, needing, deserving, looking for love, but it's not there. The good news is this. Love is there. Holy love is there. Heavenly love is there. Jesus' love is available. Now, here's the difference between heavenly love. Here's the difference between godly love and earthly love. Our love is infected by sin. Amen? Lots of times, our love comes with conditions. I'll love you if you love me. You do me wrong, I'm doing you wrong. You hurt me, my love stops. You lie to me, my love stops. You cheat on me, my love stops. You stop loving me, my love stops. Earthly love. Don't get that confused with heavenly love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what heavenly love is all about. It tells us that love is patient, love is kind, long-suffering. It's enduring to the end of time. It never stops. It never keeps a record of wrong. That's the way Jesus loves you and I today. Can I encourage you today? Don't look for heavenly answers in earthly places. Now, there are times, there are people, thank God, and we're thankful for it, there are people that do, or do show us examples of heavenly love. Amen? I hope you have someone in your life today that loves you, that helps you, that takes care of you the way that Jesus does his church. If not, let me help you out. Find somebody. <laughs> it's important. It's important. You've got to have some people, friends, family that love you and will help you and encourage you and live life with you. But don't get it mistaken. There's a difference between human love and heavenly love. Heavenly love is not infected by sin. Heavenly love is not tainted by sin. Heavenly love is pure and holy. Heavenly love is patient and kind. Heavenly love is long-suffering and will endure to the end of time. Heavenly love does not keep a record of wrong. Heavenly love is what Jesus offers you and I, what he offered this lady here in John chapter 4. Heavenly love is what we need, and I would even go as far to say, I can't love you without being loved by him, because the word says what? We love because he first loved us. Can I encourage you to be that lover of a person? You be the one that someone finds friendship in, companionship in, hope in, wisdom in, and love in, but that can't happen unless first you experience this heavenly love. Amen? Jesus offers her love. The second thing we see that Jesus offers her and gives her is acceptance. Is acceptance. Uh, 
Um, remember I told you that when these uh, people would go get water, they would travel in packs? This lady was by herself. Why was she by herself? Probably because she, one of two reasons, she didn't want to be with the other women. Or two, they didn't want her to be with them when they would go get water. Why would they not want her to be with them? Well, she'd been married five times. She had a reputation. She was that kind of woman. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody follow? Do I need to go in more detail? She was that kind of woman. She had probably been talked about. She had probably heard the whispers. She had probably seen the side eyes. She had probably seen the looks. She had probably tried, she may have tried to get in with the other women, but they wouldn't have it. But what she did find in Jesus on that day was acceptance. She found someone that loved her for her. She found someone that would take her the way she is. She found someone that accepted her the way she was. And I am thankful today that God does the exact same thing for you and I. God does the same thing for you and I. Can I tell you today that God accepts you just the way you are right now? You don't have to change anything in your life to be a part of God's family. You don't have to change anything in your life to be accepted by God in heaven today. Now, let me share this. That doesn't mean God wants you to stay the exact way you are today. Amen? How many of you know the kingdom of God is not Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? Right? It's not a come all, have a good time, do whatever you want to type of kingdom. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God for a reason. It's not the kingdom of Michael. It's not the kingdom of Ken. It's not the kingdom of Wendy. It's the kingdom of God. But God is powerful enough. We read in Ephesians that the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead now lives in us. God is powerful enough to live through us so that he will accept us the way that we are. But when he calls us to change, when he calls us to start something, when he calls us to stop something, we have his power in us to be able to do what he's calling us to do. Does that make sense? Jesus will accept you the way you are but he won't leave you the way you are. He will make you better. He'll make you new. He'll make you holy. He'll make you whole. He'll make you a better love, a lover. He'll make you a better uh, husband. He'll make you a better wife. He'll make you a better mom and dad. He accepts you the way that you are, but he will not leave you the way that you are. The problem is that what we do in the church is we kind of flip that upside down and the church for such a long time has wanted people to change to be a part of the church. We want people to behave like us and live like us to become a part of us. Can I tell you that's not Jesus? How many of you know that you belong to, to the church? You belong in a church. You belong to Jesus no matter what. It doesn't matter. You belong here. We're here to be a hospital for the sick. We're here to be the ones that love the hard to love. We're here to be the ones to minister to and take care of and build relationships with the forgotten, the downcast, and the pushed away. 
That's why we are here today. Well, that's one of the reasons why we are here today. You belong here. They that are not here, they belong here. Now, once they're here, we pray to God Almighty that God would reveal himself to them, God would speak to them, God would change their life, and we pray that by them belonging, then they will believe. Amen? We pray that by them belonging, then they will believe. Guess what happens when you believe? Guess what happens when the Lord is in your heart, when you believe the word, when you believe in prayer, when you believe in the church? What happens? Then you start to behave. That's where the life change happens. How many of you know you cannot live for the Lord without the Lord? Does that make sense? You can try. Give it a shot. It ain't going to work. You can try to be a Christ-like person without Christ. It ain't happening. You belong here. We pray that you'll believe here. And because of that belief, we believe in the word that your behavior will change because of belief, because you belong. Does that make sense? Jesus looked at this lady and he accepted her. He accepted her. He welcomed her in this the way she was. For far too long, We've been pushing people away because of the way they are. I believe the Lord calls us to welcome, to accept, to pray for, to share the word with people just the way they are. We see this lady, she found love, she found acceptance in Jesus. And finally, number three, she found living water in Jesus. I don't know what you think about when you think of living water. I think of a couple different things. I think of chair wine. I think of sweet tea. I think of sun-kissed. Anybody like sun-kissed? Yeah, y'all. Yeah, I love sun-kissed. I have at least one chair wine or one sun-kissed a day. I try not to. I really try hard. Like it's a battle between my flesh and spirit when I walk into the store. The flesh is saying, get the chair wine. The Spirit saying, you need to get some water. Sadly, my flesh wins out more times than not. And I walk out with a 20-ounce chair wine. By the way, did you know for a 20-ounce chair wine costs $2.02 these days? I remember in 1997, driving home from school, stopping at the exact same store, getting the exact same drink for 99 cent. Unbelievable. Jesus offers this lady his living water. His living water is not like the water she was looking for. She was looking for regular H2O, thirst-quenching tap water. Well water is what she was looking for. What Jesus offered her was something so much better. What Jesus offered her was something so much more. What Jesus offered her was living water. She said she wanted some of that living water. Why did she want the living water? She wanted the living water so that she wouldn't have to come back to the well anymore because Jesus said, if you take my living water, you will never thirst again. She thought he was talking about her physical body would never get thirsty ever again. She wouldn't have to go back there in the middle of the day. She wouldn't have to carry the pain. She wouldn't have to hear the women talk. She wouldn't have to gather with the women. She could be removed from all that, all because of Jesus' living water, because he provided what she thought was for her physical needs. Can I tell you that Jesus' living water is so much more than that? 
she didn't realize it, but Jesus was talking about her physical life, also her spiritual life. Jesus said, my, spirit, my living water will spring up in you like a well. What does that mean? It means this. Today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you find your need is, no matter what it is that you're looking for, the answer is found in Jesus. If you need hope today, Jesus is there. If you need direction today, Jesus is there. You need forgiveness, Jesus is there. You need peace, Jesus is there. You need love, acceptance, Jesus is there. And it's available to you. And it's always available to you. It's available to you whether you're here on Sunday or whether you're at home. It's available to you Monday through Saturday from 12 a.m. all the way back around to 12 a.m. the next morning. It's available to you all the time. Jesus says, my well will spring up in you. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you i am there with you to the end of time i my living water is there for you then jesus says those who drink my living water will never thirst again how many of you believe in the lord this morning say amen how many of you have the lord met a need in your life in the past say amen have you had any need since then of course you have So what is Jesus talking about? Those who drink my living water will never thirst again. Does that mean we'll never be in need again? No. What that means is, is that when you're in need again, the answer is already there. You already have the living water. It's available to you. It doesn't mean you'll never get thirsty. It means that when you get thirsty, the answer is already there. And that, my friends, is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the answer. No matter where you find yourself, he is available to you today. I can't think of any better hope that you could find today than in Jesus. If you find yourself today in need of love like this woman, Jesus is the answer. If you find yourself today looking for someone to accept you, Jesus is the answer. If you find yourself today in need of forgiveness, Jesus is the answer today. Whatever it is, Jesus is ready and waiting for you to encounter him so he can change your life. Amen? Let's stand together.